0: Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or an educational institution that has an intracampus television hookup, or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to take a look at clean energy and how important it is for people in the United States and around the world. My guest is an expert on this topic, Dr. Daniel Fiorino, is a Distinguished Executive in Residence in the Department of Public Administration and Policy, and he is the Director of the Center for Environmental Policy in the School of Public Affairs at American University. He is the author of Clean Energy Transition, Policies and Politics for a Zero Carbon World. Dr. Daniel Fiorino, welcome to today's Global Connections program.
1: Thank you, Bill, it's great, great to be here. I always enjoy talking about clean energy, it's so important.
0: It is so important. Let's dive right into it. Why is there a need for clean energy? And what is that transition from the dirty energy that we're in to clean energy?
1: Well, we all know that uh, climate change is a pressing issue. Um, practically every day, it seems, we, we hear more evidence of uh, extreme heat stress of um droughts of possible excess water changes in weather patterns so the list goes on so we know that climate change is a major challenge and that is certainly in itself a big reason to think about the need for clean energy but beyond that um the the, the current fossil fuel based energy system is the world health organization considers um fossil fuels the and air pollution resulting from the the major environmental threat to global public health. And uh, there are a range of uh, damages to ecology, um, oil spills, um, accidents in transportation, water use, water contamination. So there's really an overwhelming list of reasons to think about the need to move from a current, and we, we say dirty because it's highly pollution intensive, Um, but to a a far cleaner uh, global energy system.
0: And air pollution certainly is a problem. It's been a few years, but I remember reading a study that was done by the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, it showed that like 5,000 people in this one area of China died from lung-related respiratory problems because of the dirty air. That was being that they were breathing. So it's not just in China, it's in many countries, the United States included in some areas. Well, this uh, let's talk a little bit about the current energy system and uh, what uh, what, what do you attribute as the main causes for the climate crisis? Well, we know that
1: um, historically, um, if if you look at some of the graphics that link um, carbon dioxide emissions, which are largely the result of combustion of fossil fuels, you look at how that connects with concentrations of uh, carbon dioxide, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, there is an amazingly tight fit. So we know that uh, fossil fuels are overwhelmingly Uh, The main source certainly of carbon dioxide emissions, probably around two thirds, plus or minus of carbon dioxide emissions result from use of fossil fuels. Um, Also, some of the other greenhouse gases, methane partly is a result of the energy system, partly agriculture and some other sources. So if, if we want to deal with the causes of climate change, we have to deal with the energy system if we don't do that, we will not get at the causes of global climate change. And I think it's really as simple as that.
0: How do we deal with the energy system? What do we need to do differently?
1: So the the um, I got interested in this project. I actually approached this from an environmental perspective. So I worked with the Environmental Protection Agency and studied environmental policy for a long time. And increasingly, I realized that environmental problems to a large degree are a result of how we find and use and um, produce energy. So I decided to um, learn more about the energy system and most scenarios, I looked at a number of different scenarios for what we call decarbonizing, getting uh, carbon, basically getting fossil fuels out of the global energy system. And they all involve, number one, aggressive energy efficiency. So we have to use energy as efficiently as possible. And certainly, we've made a lot of progress on that. That's certainly an area where you see pretty big gains in in efficiency. So that's number one. Secondly, we have to generate electricity through renewable sources. And that's increasingly feasible because prices of like solar photovoltaic have fallen 90% in the last decade and of wind uh, generation by about 60% in the last decade. So they are really getting, they now are, are cheaper in many parts of the world than fossil fuel based energy. So we need to generate electricity with renewables and we need to scale them up very rapidly. And then third, we have to electrify all the other end uses. So, you know, we don't have um, wind powered or solar powered vehicles or trucks, (laughs) except as maybe exotic Mm -hmm. uh, pieces. So we have to take all those end uses of energy and then convert them to electricity. And then we charge them with electricity through um, an electricity system that is run on renewables. So, those are the, the key elements aggressive energy efficiency, rapid scaling up of renewable sources for electricity, and then electrifying as much as, as possible of what is left.
0: Mm-hmm. How important will this Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed by, well, basically Democrats in the Senate <laughs> and the Biden administration, how important is that to help achieve these goals? Well, that certainly is a major step forward for the United States, and I mean
1: historically, the United States is—if we—if we look at historical contributions of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere, the United States leads the world in historic um, contributions to greenhouse gases. So we certainly have an important responsibility, and the U.S. I've always said it's a—the U.S. is a a reluctant mitigator in the sense that we'll see periods of intense activity and then periods of pulling back, as we saw under the the Trump presidency. Um, We also see a lot of variation from state to state. So we have states like California or New York or Maryland, where I live, that are very ambitious in terms of um, dealing with the causes of climate change and many other states that are that are far less so. So I think this is a, a big step forward. Um, it provides a lot of incentives. The estimates are that um, the president had said that by 2030, we should reduce our emissions by about 50%. And pr- prior to this law, um, the estimates were you know 25 to 35% of the way getting there. Now the estimate is that we're with this law we could be forty percent of the way. So it it doesn't get us there completely, but I think it's a major step forward.
0: It certainly is, and we need to keep moving forward. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you just have a computer, you like our shows and you'd like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how They impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at clean energy and how important it is for all of us. And my guest today is an expert on this topic. Uh, Dr. Daniel Fiorino recently wrote a book called Clean Energy Transitions, Policies and Politics for a Zero Carbon World. We were talking about this transition to clean energy, which is happening, albeit rapidly in some areas, slowly in other areas. What are some of the major barriers to this transition?
1: Well, the, the, the most important word I, I learned in um, writing this book about energy is scale. <laughs> um, we rely on energy for so much. I mean, electricity obviously is an important part of our quality of life. It's been shown to be an important enabler of economic development. We rely on uh, energy for transportation, for um, programs like this, for um, powering appliances and and on and on. And um, because energy is so pervasive and because we all depend on it, it's very important that we make it affordable. And so we need to have cost-effective ways of meeting people's energy needs. And that is very complicated that is really a huge challenge. And there are many moving parts to the energy system. So we have, you know, the whole transport fleet, and we have buildings, and we have industrial activity, and we have electricity generation. And it's certainly a challenge to make all those parts work together. So one, the complexity is one reason it's very difficult. Another is that um, people are used to certain ways of doing things. So we're used to internal combustion vehicles. We're used to um, um, powering uh, lights and, and computers and all kinds of things with um, coal generated, with electricity generated by coal. We're used to driving vehicles in a certain way. So it's, it's hard to change those patterns of behavior. And the third reason I think, and, and in some ways the most important, is that there, there are powerful po- political interests that um, benefit from the current fossil fuel based energy system. And so it's a transition. I like that word because it says we need to go from one state of affairs to another, but they're going to be winners and losers in any process of social change. So certainly a lot of the um, industrial sectors and countries and regions of the world that now benefit greatly from fossil fuels will, benefit far less so under a transition.
0: And of course, the media play a critical role in this. I'll just, as commentary, uh, I'll just mention if you listen to Fox or One America News or Newsmax, every now and then they get a few stories right. but Generally, this is just an avalanche of misinformation that comes out from these right-wing talk operations about climate change and what the real problem is, what are some of the misconceptions? There's one thing, if it's misinformation, disinformation, but what are some of the misconceptions that people have as to why they're reluctant to see the problem and to get more actively involved in trying to help create a cleaner, uh, more viable, uh, really a cheaper, come right down to it, society and, and depend upon clean energy rather than dirty fossil fuel types of energy.
1: Yeah, I think there's a a combination of factors and and people are getting a lot of information and um, it's supported often by um, opinion leaders and and political leaders. I mean, one is that um, humans are not the cause of global climate change. It's just a natural tendency that's clearly been refuted. Um, Another is that this is a transition that would... um, lead to higher energy prices and less available energy and a number of other social and economic problems. Well, if you do it right, no, none of those things has to happen. And as you point out, Bill, um, we we, we will certainly get cleaner energy and a healthier world, um, but we should get far cheaper energy. So I think there's a combination of factors related to the science and to the economic effects of this transition Um, that um, are not borne out. So people sort of paint an extreme version. Well, yeah, if we stop using coal tomorrow, that would lead to a lot of problems and a lot of disruption, but let's plan on not using coal at some point off in the future. So you have to do it in the right way. But I think um, opponents of a clean energy transition like to throw up these kinds of arguments and they really don't hold
0: up. And as we've seen over the years, really the past several decades, the United Nations has been critical as far as bringing the countries of the world, not superimposing agreements, but bringing the countries of the world to work on trying to deal with sustainable development, the climate crisis and that type of thing. How important is it for the countries to work together? For example, a couple of years, well, several years ago now, they had the Paris Climate Accord. There have been various agreements along the way. We've got a, a plastic an anti-plastic pollution removal convention that's going to be adopted by the countries. how important it is it for the countries to work together and to say that if we don't take care of this problem today it's going to cost us a lot more in the future it's not going away I would, it's, it's certainly not going away. yeah I,
1: it is absolutely critical for countries in the world to work to work together one, Um, climate change and air pollution and all the other problems associated with the energy system are are a global problem. So, you know, even if you had the US and China, say, working together, that's 40% of emissions. So that's a lot. But you still have a lot of emissions that aren't accounted for. So everybody sort of needs to be part of the solution. Another factor, sort of the politics of it is if one country is moving ahead on a transition and others aren't then that that makes it more difficult politically to get the domestic political agreement or get the policies adopted because someone will always say oh you know if China isn't doing this or if uh, country X isn't doing it why should we um, be uh, undergoing this transition So I think that's a factor The third factor goes back to that idea of scale. So, um, you know, the more electric vehicles there are in the world, um, the cheaper the unit costs, um, the, the more technology will change, the more innovation we'll have, the more charging stations we'll have. So simply doing it on a global scale reduces costs for everyone and increases the opportunity to use these innovative technologies. So it absolutely has to be global. And that's one of the reasons that it's so difficult, um, because it takes countries working together and the United Nations and the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change have certainly done a a lot of good work and the Paris Agreement was an accomplishment, but now we have to fulfill it and we have to keep um, ratcheting up our ambitions under that agreement.
0: We certainly do. We have no choice, and I think I think most governmental leaders and business leaders too. Maybe business leaders may know more, uh, maybe be more thoughtful about this than some of the government folks. But they realize that this is going to cost. It's already costing us so much money. Yeah. When you see that the, the water supplies are drying up, you see these forest fires, it's just the melting of the glaciers. It's it's going to cost literally. Tens of trillions of dollars to deal with this. Just imagine trying to build a dike around Miami to keep the seawater out. It's not going to work. It yeah, just, yeah, is it's not going be, to work.
1: Yeah, it's going to be awfully expensive. Yeah, the sea level rise, the the droughts, the the wildfires. Um, we also have lots of evidence that um, uh, warmer temperatures affect public health directly and indirectly. They promote the transmission of different kinds of diseases. Again, the list goes on and on. And there are lots of very solid studies that show that the costs of, of avoiding the problem <laughs> later uh, are going are to be much more substantial than they are now. So it's a matter of, and, and the problem is that in, in politics, it's very difficult to take the long view okay people say you know what what are the pressures i'm facing now what are the issues in this election what's the state of the economy or whatever and it's hard to to say well we need to think longer term because um we're going to avoid lots of problems later now because we're seeing a lot of these climate impacts i think the longer term is now coming awfully fast so i think that will help but um it, it is difficult in politics to, to think long-term.
0: It certainly is, and you get very little credit for basically maintaining some facility or keeping it in good shape or improving it or making it more cost-effective, more efficient. But so often they need splashy projects and we're not at that point. Well, we've, we're down to about our last 30 seconds. What would you recommend that we think about doing to help us get more involved in making this transition to clean energy?
1: Well, I, I think um, we need to um, rely on, on government. And uh, I know that's a controversial issue, at least in the United States, but um, to create the incentives, certainly the, um, the recent law, the IRA helps with doing that. But also we need government and we need um, lots of other kinds of organizations to think through the various elements of the transition and to connect the various dots. So for example, we can have lots and lots of renewable energy, but if we don't have the transmission capacity to connect it from where it is generated to where people use it, it, we haven't really accomplished a lot. So I think we need to think big picture about this energy transition. We need to build strong, credible, government policies for getting there and we need to really organize it effectively. It's, it's a complicated job, but the benefits are just overwhelming.
0: They certainly are and we have to do it. The time is running out. We're not looking at a calendar now, we're looking at a clock and the clock <laughs> okay. is ticking very quickly. Well, Dr. Daniel Fiorino, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Thank you, Bill. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.